Father God, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to encounter you, Lord. Lord, we know when, when your scriptures are proclaimed, Lord, your word is proclaimed. And so, God, let us treat your word as we should with reverence and respect. And if we treat your word with reverence, Lord, I know that you can use it to change us, to make us more like you, Jesus. Lord, let us never get to a place where we feel like we need no changing, we need no difference in ourselves, but instead let us thrive to be more like you, God. And as long as we're on this side of eternity, we've always got room to grow. So, Lord, let your word be proclaimed tonight. Let me be able to be used by you, Lord. Let these students come to a better understanding of who you are, Lord. And may your word be powerful as it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. So guys, you see, I'm super thankful for Melty running the stuff over there. Hey, I don't have to do that anymore. You know, I was trying to preach, run slides at the same time, record myself so we can make a podcast. I was doing too many things at once. And uh, I took note of it for sure. Super thankful that now we have a little machinery going, right? And I'm really, really happy about that. But um, I want to talk to you guys and continue this uh, conversation we've been having in Philippians that we've called Prison Talk, all right? Um, we're ending chapter 3 tonight, and so I'm thinking we're going to have about two more messages, maybe three, uh, from this series before we move on into another one. But I, I really am excited about this scriptures tonight, these scriptures tonight, and what the Lord's been talking to me about them. So without me rambling any further, let's get to it. See, getting to where you want to go when you're the first one to do it can be a very scary thing, difficult. Right, let's look at if we were the Wright brothers. Everybody know who the Wright brothers are? Okay, it's cool. They were the ones who first got in the air. They were the first people who, who flew, right? They created a plane and flew a plane, all right? So imagine if we're the Wright brothers and you had this crazy idea. You look up and you're like, you know what? I want to be like that bird. I think I can do it. I want to get in the air, right? I, I think I can do it. How do I do it? Well, a lot of trial and error. Well, do you think maybe if I jump this, jump off this chair and flap my wings? I could have lots of trials and errors, but it probably would only need one error because then we'd have to call an ambulance. All right? It wouldn't help me in that sense because I'm not meant to fly. But these men, on the other hand, they saw a bird flying. They saw that, and they said, what can we do to get in the air to be like that? See, first off, they started off with gliders, right? And they had some good tests, and they had some bad tests. I mean, they crashed a couple. But then they are like, you know what? Let's put a motor on that thing. Let's put a motor on that glider. And so they put an engine on this glider, and, uh, and it's what we call a plane now. They put, decided to put an engine on it, and, and they, the first try they did, right, they took off. It took off, and they got, like, in the air for three seconds. And then it crashed in the sand, right? It crashed in the sand. The issue that they had faced is that they were pioneering this idea of being uh, a flight. What I mean by that is they were the first to do this. So they had lots of, uh, of roads to go down because they didn't know which road to go down. I mean, you're the first one to do something. You're pretty much creating that road. You're creating a road that, that no one has ever been down before, so you're going to have lots of mishaps, lots of falls. In their sense, lots of crashes, maybe a couple broke arms. I don't know. I didn't get that much into research. 
But they were the first ones to do this. Or does this have anything to do with what I'm going to say? Fortunately, we don't have to do that. We don't. God has called us to be his people and to follow him. To, to leave a life of sin and to come into a life of love, devotion, and, and desire for him. But we're not the first to do this. We have others that we can look at. Some of them are dead. Some of them are still alive. But you see, we, we have people we can look at. The path that, that we are decided to go down or the path that God has called us to come down is not a path that we have to do alone. You're not pioneering down this path. You're not the first to go towards Christ. You're not the first to go towards God. I like to think of it as like the story of Hansel and Gretel. If you haven't heard of that, okay, maybe I'll give you a little gist of it tonight. But the path, the path that has been walked down by many, many people before us, right? They didn't walk down it and then cover their tracks behind them. They didn't. Instead, they walked down, and as they walked down, it's like they were Hansel and Gretel. They left breadcrumbs so that we, we can follow them. And, and we can uh, see what they did and try to uh, find the path that they had, they had walked down themselves. The idea that we need to pick up is that we need to find the path. We need to find the path. We need to be like that image and that illustration that's overly used, but it really is a good one, of that kid who's fallen is dead in, in the sand, right, and on the beach. And as the dead takes a step, he leaves an imprint in the sand. What does the kid do? He hops into it, right? And the next one goes and he hops into that one. Just trying to follow in the tracks of his father. You see, God in his absolute grace has given people that we can do that too, though. And some of them are more obvious, like people uh, from the Old and New Testament. Jesus, of course. Peter, Paul, Timothy, Daniel, David, Hosea. All these people, not that they live perfect lives, but they live a life trying to devote themselves to God. And, and, and we have people we can follow in them. But God has also given us people here alive today, also by his grace, that we can follow, that we can look to ourselves and say, man, can I follow them as they follow Christ? I, I want you to think of that right now. Like, can I think of somebody that I can say to myself, I can watch them. As they follow God, I, I, could, I could follow in their path. I hope you can. I hope you can think of somebody that you can think of that way that would lead you in the right direction of the Lord. You can find the path to the Lord. See, I want to help us guide us into that direction or maybe guide you into the idea of how to find that person that you can walk behind and, and to come behind and to learn and, and walk down the path that they've walked because we have so many detours trying to block the path in our life. We have so many detours. I mean, look, one... We have people who have wrong intentions for us, right? Two, okay, we, uh, we, we, we were born into a society that's just naturally going the wrong path. And three, let's just be frank, the devil is trying to get in your way and to block you from the way in which you're supposed to go. We need to push towards the right path. We need to find the path. Our scripture tonight comes from Philippians 3, chapter 17 through 20. And it goes as follows, and it's behind me if you do not have your Bible. It says, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. 
Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await the Savior, Jesus Christ. In our scripture tonight, Paul is pointing towards the right path, the right people in which we might be able to follow and to, and to go down the way that leads to God. But he also is doing something else. He's also showing us maybe where not to go. So, you know, they say the best way to, to learn to do something is learn how not to do it first. And so I want to start off by saying, man, if we need to find the path, the right path, then we need to know what is the wrong path. We need to know who not to imitate. Who not to imitate. Now, the, the scripture we just read, uh, Paul says that for many of whom I have told you and now even tell you with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in shame with minds set on earthly things. You see, God gives us a few key characteristics to see. To see in people we should not follow. To see in people who are, who are not in the right path. So that way we can avoid following those people because it's so easy to get caught up in following the wrong people. And so what does the Bible tell us? What does God tell us about finding the right people and, and getting rid of the wrong people in your life? Well, I think Paul tells us the first characteristic that we can see in someone who's leading us the wrong way is this, is that they serve, they serve their belly as God. And you're like, that sounds kind of weird. I'm going to get to that. I kind of mentioned it in Sunday school if, if anybody was here Sunday, but I'm going to reflect on that a little longer, okay? They, they serve their belly as God because they are enemies of Christ. The enemies of the cross of Christ is what Paul said. Now, when I say they serve their belly as God, I ain't talking about Walker's chicken belly God, right? The Lord blessed that place for sure. That chicken and ranch dressing, it hits the spot, for real. Pretty sure angels cook it. But what I am talking about is a person who's bound on pleasure. When Paul said that their belly is their God, he's referring to, to people who worship self-fulfilling things, that people who, who uh, 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 that give into temporary happiness. That's what he's talking about. That's why he reflects on the belly. Look, you know when you eat something good, like really good. Somebody give me something really good. Steak. 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 In, any, of the, any of the above. I'm going to go with steaks. Ribeyes is life. But, you know, you eat a piece of that ribeye, man, you're like, oh, man. Especially if it's cooked right. Every bite's like, oh, man, this is so good. This is so good. Darren laughs at me because I do this every time I eat a steak. I'm like, oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. Side note, Darren orders steak from Cracker Barrel. It's pretty weird. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I just, it came to my mind, and I chased the, the rabbit, and I shouldn't have. It's okay. But, you know, every bite you take, it's like, man, that is good. It, 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 you love it. You, it's, what you, it's what you were craving. It's what you wanted. But 30 minutes later, that pleasure that you had is no longer there. As a matter of fact, you might have a full stomach and you might not feel good at all. Right? It, it, this temporary happiness in which you obtained from, from eating something lasted 30 minutes max. Then you no longer have that happiness. That's what Paul's talking about. It's like they serve their belly as their God. They, they are chasing after just temporary pleasures that only f will only fill them for a second, but will never fulfill them. It never fulfills them. It's just temporary pleasure. What can I do now to cause me some type of, 
uh, dopamine rush in my head to make me happy for a second. What can I do now? Guess what? 30 minutes later, it's gone. It was temporary. It was never meant to fulfill you. I think us as, as human beings have felt that way before. See, these type of people, they tempt us to, to follow them. It's one of those paths that, the, the Bible says that wide is the way to what? Destruction. But narrow is the gate. It's easy. The, the, the road down that, that path is an easy road to walk down. Because so many people are there in it. And, and they tempt you to do those things. They say, man, it's, it's fun. You have the time of your life. Just drink a few. I promise I won't tell no one I love you. You only need to take a couple puffs. You see, temporary pleasure, guys, temporary pleasure does never equal genuine satisfaction. Instead, temporary pleasure just blinds us to true satisfaction. True satisfaction in the Lord. I, it's hard to see past the veil of quick fixes that, that come from temporary pleasure. It's hard to see past the veil that we put in front of ourselves when we chase that. All right, this what can make me happy in this moment right now? And next time you, that happiness goes away, you're like, well, what can I do now? Or what can I do now? Because they serve their belly as their God. Instead, we just seek pleasure again and again. And again, and let me just fill you in on the details. You will never be fully pleased. Living a life when you serve your belly as your God, you'll never be fully pleased because that what you're trying to please yourself with is not what you're trying, to, not what you should be doing it to. Secondly, Paul tells us that their God, uh, that their that their glory, they glory in their shame. Another characteristic that we can know to look, not look at and see people and say, all right, I know that they're not going down the right path. And if I go with them, they're leading me down the wrong path, right? It's the fact that they glory in their shame. Look, we've all met these folks. Heck, I was one of these guys, right? That, that man, the things that, that you should uh, bring you shame, they take pride in. The things that should bring them absolute shame, they take pride in. You know, man, hey, I got so drunk last night, I woke up drunk. Or I've slept with so many people. The things that, that should bring them shame, they glorify. I was one of those guys. I led a lot of people down the wrong road. But thank God in his redemptive nature, he saved me from it. And now my goal in life is to lead people down the right road. That they glory in their shame. You see, the unfortunate thing, though, about this is that in your age group, these are the people that are popular. These are the people that, you know, have things in school. Man, I wish my mom was cool like their mom. And they get to do whatever they want. You just don't see it yet, but one day you'll see it the failure that is in, in the blessing that you have. Because those people, we see them in school and they, and they glory in their shame and they bring about some type of popularity 
and desire for the life that they live because the life that they live, the, the enemy makes it look like it's attractive and gold, but you wrap that gold off and it's nothing. It's a lump of coal. And at that point, he said, I got you. I got you. See, we know these people. We can think of these people. Maybe we are these people. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. I, I'm not trying to make you feel like you don't need to be here. That's the exact opposite of, of what's real. But why do I say these things? I say these things because I want to warn you of this road, of this path. I, I want you to know which way to go. And if you want to know the way to go, the right path to take, you need to know what is the wrong path. I feel like Paul, when he said this, you know, he said that when he told the church in Philippi, he's like, I say it now even with tears that these people do these things. That, that it was just depressed him and hurt him. He was mortified with the actions of these people. And, and I feel the same way, man. I, I feel so bad for these people who, who are walking down that wrong path and the veil that they put in front of their face, they refuse to see what's reality. They only see what they want to see. That the, the Bible says that, that this path leads to destruction, but yet they don't see it. I also, I also saddens me because, man, even you guys, and, and you might have been raised right, and you're sitting here listening to me, and, and, you're, and I'm telling you about the things uh, of the scriptures, Even then, some of us will do just that. We'll walk down that wrong path. Walk down the path that says that it leads to destruction. It's just something about humans, right? We always feel like we need to try something. Like, man, that, that was him. That ain't going to happen to me. That's why I thought my brothers, man, my brothers were, we were all alike, right? I told my mom, I was like, hey, that ain't, that ain't ever going to be me. I ain't going to do that. I was young. I was like 10, 11. Then I get a teenager, and guess what I'm doing? The same thing they did, right? And, and I'm telling myself, hey, I saw how bad it got for them. That would never be me. <laughs> yeah, that don't work out too well. That don't work out too well. Or you're like, Psh, you know what? Man, that, that guy, he was, he was on hard stuff. I'm not doing that stuff. I'm just stealing a little bit of money from my mom to do this or that. You see, we just become deceived by the path that we've been walking down. It's that veil I was referring to that causes us not to see things as reality. Guys, if you don't listen to me, listen to Paul. Where, where Paul said that, that man, those who, who make their, their belly their God, those people who, who take pride in in their shame, these people, man, that path leads you to destruction. Leads us to destruction. Wrongdoings or destruction. So we know which way not to go. We know which way is the wrong path. Which, which way is the right path? Who do we imitate? That's my next point. I didn't want to leave you there. Right? I, I, I feel the tension in the room. And, and I didn't want to leave you there. I want to show you not just where not to go, but where to go. How to find the right path. Paul said, brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
Paul again in 1 Corinthians said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see, those that we look to as an example, as to how to find Christ or how to walk towards Christ or how to find the right path, they, we need to make sure that, that they are as Christ-like as possible on this side of eternity, right? And so how do we do that? What are some of these Christ-like characteristics that we can look at in, in the people that we choose to follow behind and follow in their path? Oh, I, I'm going to name three of them, although there's you know, tons of characteristics of God. And the first that I want to mention is, is the fact that he is love. The fact that he is love. You see, we have a mixed view on what love is, but the, but the, the love that Christ shows that we should be trying to find somebody that we can walk behind and mimic uh, is, is a love for all people, regardless of who they are, uh, what, where they are in life, what they look like, if they're popular or not, man. It, that's the love in which we should be showing. Now, what I want to say after that is this. I, I've heard people in the hallways and in the classrooms talk bad about certain people, right? People who might not be popular and, and hating on certain people, okay? And that is very typical, very typical, but we're not called to be typical. Well, you may be the person that someone needs to look up to and say, I'm going to see them walking towards Christ. Now, how will they imitate you if you're the one talking bad about somebody else? That might be a little off or a little weird to everybody else. How are they going to imitate you if you don't imitate Christ? Paul says, imitate me as I imitate who? Christ. And so if these Christ-like characteristics within us, then the people that we are choosing to follow do not show in us, then why should they follow us? If you're the same way as everybody else that just picks on a person just because they're a little different, what makes you someone worth following? You see, this is a love that treats people the same regardless of who you are or what position of life you're in. But like I said earlier, we, we have a misconstrued view of love. We think that love means acceptance. And, and that's just not true. Love, love does not mean acceptance of everything. Well, if you love me, you need to accept me is a very common thing we might hear. But that's not necessarily Christ-like love. Which leads me to my second point that I want to talk about within these characteristics of Christ, and that is truth. Truth. You see, sometimes we need to hear someone lovingly tell us the truth. And we see that through Christ, right? Like, like you see, if someone tells you something that hurts, that doesn't necessarily mean that it was not from a place of love. But sometimes we need to hear things that need to be uh, uh, pointed out in ourselves. Like, if someone tells you something that, that stings a little bit and they do it through a way of love, then that doesn't mean that they don't love you. As a matter of fact, it might be that they love you so much that they see something in you that shows that you're walking down the wrong path, that you're going towards the way of destruction, and they're saying, please, I love you. Please, stop what you're doing. You see, that is love with truth. That's the type of love we see through Christ. It's, it's, it's Jesus shedding truth within his love. We see that with the adulterous woman, right? Uh, she was caught in adultery. I mean, she was in sin. She cheated on her husband. 
The Bible says caught in the act. You know what that means, right? Caught in the act. Okay. Not a good sight. And the Bible says that these Pharisees, these religious leaders, asked Jesus, the law of Moses says we stone her, and they're sitting there holding rocks. And I'm not talking about pebbles. I'm talking about rocks, like hand-sized hand rocks. And it says the, the law of Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus takes a second, and, and he doesn't say anything. He starts drawing stuff in the ground. I'd, I'd love to know what he drew, but the Bible doesn't tell us. He starts drawing stuff, and then he says, he, he just casually says, you know, he who's without sin cast the first stone. Right? What a statement. And he, the Bible says he just keeps drawing in the sand. Right? And um, he looks up, and no one's there but just him and the girl, the adulterous woman. They all left their rocks and walked away. And Jesus tells the woman, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And he says, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. You see, Jesus loved her to the point that, that he made sure that she would not have her life ended that day. To the point that he made those who were trying to end her life reflect on their own sin. But he did not just say, I accept your sin. He said, go and sin no more. He made sure to acknowledge the fact that she was a sinner. He shedded truth within his love. See, that is a characteristic that we need to look for in somebody to say, all right, they're, they're walking down the right path to the point that they can love me and tell me something that may sting to hear, but I know it's to make me more like Christ. The third and last characteristic that I want to mention that we should look for in somebody is grace. Is grace. See, a person that shows grace exemplifies, exemplifies everything about Christ. Right? Christ is grace. Showing grace like Jesus means forgiving someone when they may not deserve it. That's hard. We should look for that in somebody that we should follow. Giving without expecting something in return. But the beauty of this characteristic is this. Is that when you are filled with grace for other people because you know that the grace that you've been given, right? The grace that says, Look, I know that you are a sinner and that you've turned your back on me over and over and over and over again, but I'm going to die for you, okay? So that you may have an opportunity to actually know me. Not that you will know me, but that you just have an opportunity to. That, that is an, an immeasurable amount of grace. And so the key thing about when we can take note of his grace that he's given us and then give that grace to other people is that their actions no longer have control on us. You don't, they don't do something and sit there for the next 10 days thinking about the thing that they did, just coming more and more and more bitter, right? You say, look, it's aggravating, but I choose to forgive them even if they don't think they've messed up. God did that for us. The, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for who? Everyone. So that means even people who would never claim to know who he is. He still died for them, giving them an opportunity to one day maybe know who he is. Right? So I think that is a beautiful characteristic that we can look for in people and if we're trying to follow someone else. We should think about this. What fruit is that person bearing? By that, what kind of good characteristics are they showing? 
What path are they walking? Is that path obvious? It should be. It should be. Paul said this. He said, and I'm finishing up. But he said, imitate them by keeping our eyes on them. Right? Keeping our eyes on them. That, that word right there, keeping on, in the Greek is used one time in the entire Bible. So what does that mean? Probably a little special. Right? It's used one time in the entire, entire Bible. The word is skopeo. I know that doesn't matter to you. But the, I like to call it. The word is skopeo. And, and it literally means to look at. To regard attentively. What is he saying? He's saying, look, we, we must be attentive when we look at somebody in hopes that we can follow them as they follow Christ. We, we must have the courage to be able to ask them questions about sin in our life. We, we must desire to, to, regardless of what's coming here, what's going there, are the people all around us in school that are so obviously having their, their belly as their God and, and taking pride in their shame. And instead, we're going to say, no, I'm going to take a step towards this person. I'm going to take a step towards this person because I'm going to look at them attentively. We have to be motivated to do stuff with these people. How can we imitate someone if, if we have no effort in knowing who they are? Attentively looking at these people. Now in closing, I just want to ask you a few questions. You see guys, there's a fork in the road. There's a fork in the road. And the Bible says that one leads to destruction and one leads to everlasting life. The Bible says that, that wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life, right? So wide is the way where everybody around us is displaying those characteristics that we talked about tonight that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Although it may not be fun to hear about that, about the road to destruction. It's not the best language, and I understand why it's kind of like tense in here right now. So it's kind of a hard thing to grasp. Although it might be fun to hear, it's the absolute truth. And so I, I tried to act as in that characteristic of Christ and to shed some truth with love and say, man, from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of all these leaders' hearts, don't be misled down that way of destruction that there's a better way of life. And although it's the minority that's walking down that, it's not cool to be the majority. It's not. Narrow is the way that you've been called to walk. See, I want you to find the right path. I want you to be the person God has called you to be, created you to be. You see, imitating, when we imitate somebody, let me be clear about what that is not. You're not trying to become that person. Okay, I don't want you to think that. When, when Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, he's not saying, be many Pauls. Okay? So when, when we're trying to find someone to imitate, we're not trying to become that person. That's not what it's about. Instead, we look at, the other, we look at others in, in the path that they have led, and we find the path to become us the real us. The you that's devoted to God. So it's not to 
imitate someone and become that person. It's to see the characteristics they have in the life that they've walked in devotion to Christ. And down that path in which you go, you finally encounter who the real you is. I beg of you, find the path. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this series that I've been devoted to just just preaching your scriptures and not skipping around and, and going through it, Lord. And sometimes the scriptures that, that I, I'm asked to preach, Lord, are, are difficult to hear. They're not as fun as some other things. But that doesn't mean they're necessary, not necessary. As a matter of fact, Lord, I think those are the ones that we really need to chew on. Lord, I pray that tonight we have an understanding about these two different directions that, that we have the world tugging us in one and, and, and you asking us to come down the other. Pray, Lord, that, that we may see in other people the path that they've walked and know that they're, you're not alone. We're not alone in trying to find who you are and, and walk down a road that leads to you, God, but instead we can walk down a road that's been littered with breadcrumbs by the many saints that have come before us and the saints that live today, God. I pray, Lord, that if we just think of a person right now who we can question, talk to, that we can find the path that they've walked and join them. Not that we can become them, but that we can become us. In Jesus' name, amen.